Welcome to Fundamental Fairness, a podcast about financial inclusion from the lens of entrepreneurs, policymakers, and investors. Brought to you by Camino Financial, with your host, Sean Salas. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fundamental Fairness. It has officially been two years since we released our first ever episode. In honor of our two-year anniversary, we will be rounding up some of our top-performing episodes over the last two years. But before we dive in, we'd like to share that we will be undergoing some exciting new changes and we'll be taking a break to refresh and come back stronger than ever. Now, to kick us off, let's begin with our top-performing episode, which featured Daniel Vogel, co-founder and CEO of Latin America's leading crypto services provider, Bitso. Fun fact, Daniel is a very close friend of Sean, who is also a proud early-stage investor of Bitso. In episode 10, they dove into the topic of blockchain and cryptocurrencies and unraveled the truth behind this new technology. What I tell everyone and what I've told you since I've known you is the same. It's like, look, this is a new technology. And as you say, it's going to be super volatile. It goes up and then it goes down 90% and it goes up and it goes down, you know, 70%. And it's just, it's, it's hard. It's difficult to like digest having a large portfolio of Bitcoin. I've never advised people to like go out and like go crazy. And because I, I, even though I believe that this is the future, like you don't know what your capital needs are going to be, what your liquidity needs are going to be. And it's just irresponsible, in my opinion, to make a really big bet on any of these coins just because they've been going up or because Elon Musk is talking about them. Like that's just fundamentally unfair to, (laughs) to go with the topic of the, of the podcast. And what I do think is that, you know, if you look at portfolio theory, portfolio theory tells you that you should diversify yourself and that you should diversify yourself with different assets and assets that are uncorrelated with each other. And I believe that in that sense, cryptocurrency is a phenomenal way to, to uncorrelate. Like it's, an, it's an, a fundamental asset that's mostly uncorrelated with most other assets, behaves in its own sort of like crazy and unique way, has a really strong value proposition for the future. And so I think like investing a small amount of your portfolio into Bitcoin or crypto is something that everyone should do. And how small? Well, I would say at least 1%. And at most probably, if you're a beginner, at most probably like 2%, 3%. And as you understand more and dig more, well, maybe you want to take it up to 5%. But I think that's sort of like a good range. And I believe that people who are already have the capability to save and invest and diversify and don't hold at least a small amount of cryptocurrencies, have been missing out on just fundamental diversification theory. This next episode, ranking in at number two, features none other than Sean's good friend, Glenn Goldman, who is the co-founder of Plural, a new fintech firm focused on improving the financial inclusion of solopreneurs in Colombia. I'd like to mention that Glenn is a fintech veteran and has been at the forefront of finance through two of the biggest crises in recent American history. Check out this snippet from episode two, where Glenn shares details about the transformational impact COVID-19 had on the micro-business lending industry. So just kind of going down the path there. So that internet bubble happened in, in 2000. Just to you know give some context when we talk about COVID, all of those IPOs traded on not the New York Stock Exchange, but the NASDAQ. The NASDAQ lost 80% of its value. Okay, mm. 80% of its value. Just to put things in context, As a result of COVID, the stock market dropped about 34% and has already regained a little more than half of that. 
So just imagine the impact the NASDAQ dropped 80% of its value. Now, some people were saying that part of the problem was the target addressable market, right? So those guys were the pioneers for us, right? There were only 400 million people online in 2000. Today, there's over 3 billion. You know, there was only 17 million websites in 2000. Today, there's over 200 million. Mm. So, you know, it's a very different market today. The impact looks much narrower. Um, it was on technology and financial technology companies. But as I said, a lot of the lessons learned or ignored came out of that first crisis. Now, as we reflect on the challenges the financial sector faced over the last two years, we can't forget about the market shock that disrupted the space back in 2020. What we saw happen earlier that year was an online war between members of a subreddit forum and hedge funds from the availability of liquidity to the role of short sellers to regulation of free market trading among retail or Robinhood investors. This saga left us with more questions than answers. So in episode eight, we invited Andres Amaya, CEO of Zoe Financial, to tease out answers related to this discussion. When you're buying a stock of a company, right, let's say GameStop as, as an example, you're essentially trying to predict what the future cash flows of that company or the earnings that company is going to generate. But when a stock goes up 85% in two days and then drops 40% on the third day, and then it goes up 80% right the fourth day, fifth day, the broker, the middle person is stuck with an insane amount of risk. Amid a major market shock back in 2020, FinTech became the hottest sector in 2021. This shift further spurred enthusiasm and caused investors to pour money into the space, especially in regions such as Latin America. On episode 19 of Fundamental Fairness, Bill Salufo, pattern and head of international investments at QED Investors, helps us break down the recent LATAM fintech boom. Banking as a service, for an example, it still is newer in Latin America than it is in the U.S., but I think teams are able to assemble creative products, not having to invent everything from scratch, but being able to work with a network of partners to pull it off. So my personal view is most of the the recent rise in valuations is because of real business trends and a real belief that you can create gigantic winners here. Is the market maybe a little bit overheated in certain places? Probably. And that's something we certainly watch carefully. But I think the main reason valuations are so high is because the opportunities are so high. And you can certainly see that with, you know, again, not just New Bank that we've talked about extensively, but, you know, I know QED has seven unicorns throughout the region, whether we're talking about Loft, Creditas, Confio, Kavak, Bitso, Quintondar. And again, some of these are tackling banking, some are tackling prop tech, some are tackling, you know, the crypto space is another kind of wild west, of, you know, really interesting potential out there. So we're seeing it really cut across various industries and in a number of different ways. Over the last two years, we have seen major disruptions in the fintech space and have foreseen a clearer path toward a more financially inclusive world. In this next top performing episode, Sean had the opportunity to sit down with Henri Pierre Jacquet, managing partner at Harlem Capital, who discusses how he is advocating and empowering minority entrepreneurs for an inclusive new normal. You know, the reason we started the firm is because we felt like the fastest way to economic empowerment for people of color and women was ownership. And the easiest way to get ownership is to start your own business. 
it's been proven time and time again, regardless if you're educated or you're making six figures as a person of color, you are unlikely to close the wealth gap. And so ownership and equity is important. So we felt like venture capital, which is why we went from private equity to venture capital, we felt like venture capital was the best means of economic empowerment at scale in a much faster way. I think the same is true for LPs. I can see why the audience loved these episodes. There were so many great insights presented by some of the industry's leading innovators and change makers. If you're interested in tuning into the full episodes, they will be listed in the show notes description. It must be reiterated that this roundup comes two years after our first ever episode of Fundamental Fairness. And although we will be taking a short break, we invite you to follow Sean on social media at Sean D. Salas so that you can stay in the loop of what's happening at the intersection of fintech and financial inclusion. Thank you for tuning in to Fundamental Fairness and stay tuned for more episodes coming soon. Please be sure to like and subscribe to Fundamental Fairness anywhere podcasts are available. We'd like to thank Bethany Sands for sound and editing, our creative team, Tanya Chaidez and Eric Colleen, and our senior producer, Melanie Diaz.